So let's turn to God's Word this morning. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Colossians. Kids, uh, I'm going to try to hang in there with you. Make sure whoever you're sitting by has their Bible open, okay? Right? And maybe if uh, you want to do some drawing or something, kids, uh, draw something that I'm talking about. If you're older than a kid, don't be drawing, okay? Be trying to pay attention, okay? Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. If you'd stand in honor of God's Word, I'd like to read to you the first half chapter of the book of Colossians. This is what God's Word says. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, To the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and growing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so, from the day we heard, uh, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power, according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Father God, uh, we need your power and strength through your Holy Spirit this morning as we seek to understand a little bit from your word. I pray that you would mark us Mark us by your word and that we would see it uh, as something important and something worthy, uh, something that will reveal yourself to us. God, thank you for doing your work even here at this church through these people right here. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, uh, we're going to begin a study in the book of Colossians that uh, I don't know how long that's going to last, but it's going to last for a while. So uh, you can be working through that in your own heart and life uh, as you think through the book of Colossians. This morning, the Bible starts out for us talking about really the author, the human author of the book of Colossians, which is whom? Who's the Paul, the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul. That's what it starts out as. I really enjoy the fact that uh, in the Bible, uh, we really see 
uh, a different form of letter. Uh, how many of you have received a letter from someone and you didn't know who it was and you immediately looked to the end to see who it was? Uh, I, I love the way the Bible does the complete opposite, right? Right up front. Letter from Paul. Letter from Paul. And undoubtedly it was because they didn't have, you know, the, the, their letters were always large. There was not a sense of a little postcard or uh, uh, something small like that, that their letters were always large because of the way that paper was. But it starts off with a letter from Paul, a letter from Paul. You think about what it tells us about Paul right up. It says that he was an apostle, an apostle. Uh, think through what an apostle means. It sounds like a big fancy title, right? Like doctor or something like that. But the word apostle means one sent, one sent by God, one sent by God. And so as you think about what Paul is identified and he identifies himself, he's saying really two things. He's saying, listen, I'm an apostle and that this message isn't from me, that I'm sent. You can even think of the idea of an angel as being something great, but sent by God. He's a messenger. He's a messenger from God. And so I really want you to get the connection. Who wrote the, uh, who wrote the book of Colossians? No, he didn't. God did. Paul was a messenger. He was sent by God. Okay, that's that, that's that touchy thing, isn't it? It's Paul's pen, right? It's Paul's pen. It's even Paul's words in the sense that you can tell that this was written by Paul. If you had all Paul's letters together, uh, which gives us some troubles in Hebrews, but let's not even talk about that this morning. But uh, you, you see that it's, it's kind of like things that Paul would say. But God was the one who sent Paul both to the people and to pen this letter to the Colossians. He brought this message to them. And so it's super important for us to listen as well as to know that this is from God, from God. It tells us really where we get the name, uh, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. He wasn't working as a free agent. And Timothy was also there. He says, he's writing this in verse 2, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. At Colossae. And that's really uh, the town or the city uh, that he is writing to. But he's not writing to the city. He's not writing to the mayor. It's important for us to think about that as well. That everywhere in the Bible, everywhere in the Bible, God's word is countercultural. There's no Christian city. There's no sense in which everyone's a believer. Everyone's a believer. And that's true in Tehachapi as well. Did you know that? Did you know that? It was a little bit easier for me to remember that sometimes when I was living in the Bay Area. Felt like I was the only one, like a Martian or something like that sometimes. You know, to remember that he was not writing to everybody. It's not that uh, an unbeliever, someone who doesn't believe in Christ, couldn't have read the letter and even understood it to some degree. But the message is primarily for God's people, primarily for God's people. And really for those who are unbelievers as they read to say, if I'm going to buy into this message, this is what it is. This is what it is. This is what I'm going to be a part of. 
So you have to the church at Colossae, the church at Colossae. If you want to think about this, uh, this city, it was a fairly insignificant town. I was trying to think through something great about it. And all the, the books I read this week said there wasn't much great about it. It wasn't like this uh, super important city when it came to the area. There was Ephesus. There were other cities that were real significant, but Colossae wasn't much. Remind you of any places you've ever heard of? Maybe you've lived in one of those towns that's kind of off the beaten path. Where's Tehachapi anyways, you know? And I was moving. That's what everyone asked. In fact, uh, I was laughing because I don't know how many people said, Oh, you're moving to Temecula. Temecula. And I don't know why Temecula is any better than Tehachapi. I don't know. But Tehachapi, maybe Colossae was in a similar way. In fact... We don't have any record, we don't have any real record that Paul visited Colossae or that he spent any significant time there. We don't, we don't have that. In fact, if you want to look in your Bibles, kids, help your parents with this. There's a Bible. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's one in your P-Rec. Turn to the end. Turn to the end. The end of your Bible. And there's some maps there. There's some maps. I wanted to show you where Colossae was on the map in case you ever wanted to move there or visit there or anything like that, Colossae. And if you look at the map that talks about Paul's missionary journeys, Paul's missionary journeys, if you find Ephesus and then go right, you'll find Colossae. If your parents are struggling, kids, help them find that. Help them find that in the Bible. It's in modern-day Turkey uh, in our world today. If you look on a map, it's in that area that's where the city of Colossae was. <clears throat> I want you to think about what that means to be a church in an area. You know, there are some areas that are uh, real small and they have one church. There are other areas that are fairly large and they would have had uh, many churches, house churches, and in the city would be a larger church where there are a lot more people who live and a lot more believers who could walk there. And so it was the church at Colossae, and there was a church at Ephesus, a church at Laodicea. Uh, you look to the, the book of uh, um, Revelation, and it talks about different churches. And really, uh, as as I was a church planner, and I was thinking through it, what to name the church that we're a part of. I couldn't think of a better name, so we just called ourselves Church at Petaluma. And there could be a church at Bear Valley, a church at Tehachapi, and a sense in which that that was just a local church. I know this is kind of odd, but I, I thought about this as I was thinking through uh, my study and our time this morning. I'd like you to join me in prayer for Church at Petaluma. That was the church plant that... So many of you supported uh, that we were a part of these last five years. Um, they're in the process of hoping to get a new pastor and trying to identify that person. Uh, they're a church that's very small, about 40 people. And so I'd, I just ask that you join me in prayer right now uh, for Church at Petaluma. God, I think this morning of a place that... Uh, our family has spent a lot of time with some people, uh, some individuals that have gathered in your name in a city. God, I ask that you would provide for them even this day. 
I ask that you would cause us to, in our hearts, partner with them and realize that they are in need, uh, not of uh, anything other than your power in their midst. And God, I ask that you would provide for them a man of your own choosing, uh, someone to care for them and lead them and work alongside them, partnering with them for the gospel message in the city of Petaluma. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for indulging me in that. And if you could remember to pray for them, I'd appreciate it. We're talking about the church at Colossae and really the church at Bear Valley, uh, this church right here. And how this message, this message that Paul shared, he's, he was sent by God to share with them. And what, is he, what does he share with them? And really thinking that through this morning. If you look down in verse 3, he starts off, he says, We always thank God. We always thank God. Uh, I like that. I like that. That Paul, as he thought about his own prayer life and as he thought about that church, he says, we always thank God. We always thank God. It's the thing that when I think of you, I, I, I pray for you and I thank God for you. How about you? As you think about that, that happens, doesn't it? It naturally happens for us. And what I get excited about is when I think of people um, that are walking with the Lord and I've seen the change in them, I, I thank God. I'm, I'm excited. I, I, if I can say, I, I smile in my soul because of what God has done in them. And so that was Paul as he thought of this church. He says, we always thank God when we pray for you. Uh, we always thank God, the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. And he says some very specific things that he is thankful for. The first thing he says, uh, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. I love the way that's said, because sometimes when uh, we describe faith and kids what faith is, it sounds like a good name for a girl. Uh, it sounds like a good word to use at church, but it's really the idea of trusting, of trusting, uh, of, of really putting yourself on the line, trusting that someone will come through. And that's what this church did. They were known to have trusted in God, trusted in God that they were living that out. And what does Paul say? He, he saw it. He'd heard of it, right? There was eyewitnesses to it. There was a sense of product. There was a sense of that they really trusted. And sometimes when we think of uh, faith or trust, sometimes we say, well, it's deep down inside. You're never going to see this because it's in my heart. Quite the opposite. Quite the opposite. If it is inside you, if it is true, we will see it out here. We'll see it out here. You know, uh, that, that's the hard stuff, right? Maybe you've been going to a church a long time. Maybe you've got a lot of Bible studies under your belt. You know, maybe you've got all the books on the shelf. And yet, and yet, your faith is displayed in everyday life. In everyday life. And the things that you do and the, the opportunities that you have. When you get sick... When you get sick, it's a challenge to your faith. Many of you uh, know that firsthand, right? You're cruising along in life. 
you're active, you're doing all the things that you want to do, you wake up in the morning and you say, I'm going to conquer the world today, and then your health is gone. Then your health is gone. Is your faith displayed at that time? Is your faith displayed? Is that trust that you have in Him, that relationship that's so important to you, is that displayed in your sickness? What about your marriage? If your marriage is something that is a bit of a challenge and your uh, mate is not all that you wanted them to be, chances are you aren't either. But uh, um, I want to ask you, I want to ask you, is your faith displayed in that time? Is your faith displayed in that time? Is the idea that you trust in God, that you trust in God and you have laid your life at his feet? And you are trusting in Him that He is your lifeline that's going to get you through. As you think about different other areas, maybe uh, kids, uh, this is sometimes hard, right? You, you've, you go, go to Sunday school, you go to Awana, you're connected in those things. I think Trunk or Treat's coming up, by the way. I just wanted to remind you kids of that. Um, maybe sometimes you go to school and there are kids that are mean to you. There are kids that are mean to you. They push you. And when they push you, maybe they even physically push you. What do you want to do? Be nice to them. Thank you, Haley. (laughs) I'm glad somebody does. You know what, Haley? When when kids used to push me at school, you know what I wanted to do? I didn't want to push back. I wanted to punch back. You know, you feel that, don't you? When someone's mean to you, you want to be mean back to them. Good. Haley, you're not helping me out here. No, Haley's, Haley's doing the very thing that we're talking about here, displaying faith, right? God works in your heart and you realize that you are different because God has done something different in you. That was the church at Colossae. They'd been changed. They'd been changed. And, and it's so important for us to think about the gospel as the change, the change. It's not just the new and improved me. It's, it's the total transformation of our heart. Uh, Jesus didn't come so we'd be a little bit different. Okay? He didn't come for that. He came to change us. And the display of their faith was true. And so as Paul thought of this, this church, he said, I, I, I'm thankful. I thank God. I thank God for your faith, your trust in Jesus. He also showed one other thing, and he said one other thing that he was thankful for. He said he, said he talked about or he, he had heard of their faith in Christ Jesus. And one other thing in verse 4, what is it? Love. You have love for all the saints. You have love for all the saints. That uh, in this world, that pagan world that they lived in, similar to the pagan world that we live in today, that what had happened in their hearts by trusting in Jesus is that they had now had a faith where they could place their trust in Jesus for everything in, in eternity as well as for the things down here. And the second thing that was changed in them is that they had a true love for the saints, the, the, the ones around them. And, you know, one of the things that I have always known about Bear Valley Church is your love for one another. Your love for one another. That you didn't see each other as just neighbors. 
He didn't see each other as co-workers, part of another club. That you showed your love for one another. And why that is so significant, why that is so amazing, is because by nature, we're proud and selfish people. And as we've talked about this in the last few weeks, that it isn't natural for us to come together. It's natural for us to go apart. In fact, uh, some would even say that our great city of Tehachapi is a mark of that. Uh, I'm not going to get a show of hands of some of you who moved out of the city, whatever that city is. He said, oh, I can't stand the people. I can't stand the people. Chances are your neighbors felt the same way, by the way. Uh, you just say, ah, just, all the people, all the traffic and all this and all that. I'm going to go and live in Bear Valley. I'm going to go live in the outermost parts of Stallion Spring, Springs. I'm going to go and, and I'm going to get a piece of land where I don't have to deal with any neighbors. That's, our, that's who we are. And yet for us to come together in love and care for one another, that's what the church is all about. It's a change of heart. And Paul said, you know, I've heard of this. I've heard of your love, your love for one another, your love for God's people, that God has united your hearts together as God's people in a love relationship. This is what God or Paul thanked God for as he thought of them. He also goes on. Kids, you still with me? Kids, good. Thanks, son. Um, I'll hook you up at lunch. (laughs) Verse 5, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Hope laid up for you in heaven. You know, uh, it's a dangerous world. And uh, I think as a parent, you can worry about everything. How many parents are worriers? How many parents are worriers? I appreciated some of you just like, worry? That's me. (laughs) You know, that's me. It's interesting. uh, Those of you who are older and your, your kids are adults, do you still worry about your kids? Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? I, I, I was. No one explained this to me. No one explained this to me. I had thought it was the only the eighteen years, and then you're good, good to go. And yet I see some of you. I, I see some of you, and you're still like, you're still worried about your kids. And I guess it's a lifelong thing, huh? I guess so. I think about this, and I think about. Um, you know, the different things that Rebecca and I worry about for our own kids. And we think through everything from health concerns to what's going to happen when they leave our house, what happens at school, what they're thinking about, what they're seeing. I mean, we the list could go on. The list could go on and on, the things that we could worry about. And yet, when you know, when you think of someone, whether it be a child, uh, a family member, a neighbor, and you know you know of their salvation. Isn't there just a sweet confidence over everything? You know, when you think of them, them, them flying in a plane and you say, what could happen? You, you start going through your mind. Well, this could happen and that could happen and the, the plane could go down and they could die. And whoop, They're okay. They're okay. Because their salvation is secure. And as Paul thought through this church and he wondered, he said, the hope of heaven, the hope of heaven that everything is good with someone when they know Christ and I know that their soul is secure. And as part of his thanksgiving for them, he knew of their hope of the hope of heaven. I want you to see this. Um, he says the hope of heaven. He's obviously thinking 
of their eternal home in verse 5. He says, the word of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, the gospel. And the only thing, the really the, the core of why he had thanksgiving for them as he thought about them was what? The gospel. What is the gospel? The good news. The good news is that Jesus came, died for sinners. He rose again, that anyone who would trust in him would be secure in him and have a new relationship. That change would happen. And really, that's the center of all that we are in this church. There are a lot of things going on and a lot of programs that we hope reach lots of people, but all for the one purpose that people would come to know Christ, that they would be saved in the gospel. They would know the good news. They would trust in this Jesus and so that the hope of heaven would be theirs. And the change would happen in their heart. This is as Paul, as he thought this through, as he was considering this church, he says, this is what I'm, I'm thankful for, the gospel. He says this gospel does something, and he's still talking about this change. Verse 6, which has come to you, as indeed the whole world is bearing fruit and growing, as it does among you since the day you heard it. And understood the gospel, the, the grace of the God and truth of God and truth. It's interesting to me uh, that he he describes that this produces produces. Kids, do you know about uh, fruit? Do you know about fruit, kids? Uh, how do you know if it's a good apple tree? If you pick the apple. If you pick the apple, and you really don't know if you just pick the apple, right? You got to eat it. You got to eat it. Uh, I know that sometimes I've gone, you know, I'm not one of these ones who really knows what season, what fruit is. I just go in the store, and if it looks good, I'm going to grab it. And I remember uh, many times this happened. There's this beautiful apple there, and you're like, oh, it just looks amazing. And they shined it up real good. They probably sprayed it with something and various other things. And I'm like, man, it looks like a great apple. And you grab it and you bite it. And it's like, I don't know, it tastes like balsa wood or something like that. <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, horrible, horrible. This is a bad piece of fruit that came from a tree that produced bad fruit, right? It's just for whatever reason. To Hatchby, we got great apples, right? It's good season right now. I know it is because I bought some right now, but I, I wouldn't know that if I wouldn't. I don't think that often about fruit. Sorry, Marshall, but uh, <laughs> I, you know, you know that it's a good apple tree when it produces fruit. Produces fruit. You know, there's some trees that look healthy and and they're they're fruit trees, and and yet they don't produce fruit. They don't produce fruit. What's so beautiful about the gospel of Jesus Christ is that Paul, as he was talking about this church, this goodness of this gospel, he says, it is producing fruit. It is not just a message that's a nice message that gathers people into a building. It's a message that changes someone so much that it produces fruit. It produces fruit. I love the way he says this because he really says it's bearing fruit everywhere, everywhere. It's the message for everywhere. 
I don't know if you've thought about this, but um, you, have you ever asked the question, where, where should there be a church? Where should there be a church? A church that preaches the gospel, loves God's word. Where, where should there be a church? And some of you say, well, there's certain places where it's just not going to work. It's just not going to work. Church isn't going to work in a place like this. And yet I'm challenged again as I read the scriptures, as Paul was considering this church, he says, he says this, the thanksgiving in his heart once again, he says, bearing, bearing fruit and growing. Where in the whole world, the whole world. And the reality is that's still true today, isn't it? That there may be different ways the church looks and the people look different and they might speak a different language and be in a different culture. But the same message, kids, that you're learning in Sunday school is the same message they need throughout our country in states that you can't remember their capital. In places where you've never gone, you know, not just in the United States, every little island, every big place in South America where miners got rescued this week. And you remember hearing about that. They need the gospel there. In Russia, that massive country. That's why we're, we're sending stuff for Christmas over there because they need the message of Jesus. And that's the message that will bear fruit. You think of Asia and different places where they speak very different languages and you may not know a whole lot about them. That's where they need the gospel. Everywhere, throughout the whole world, throughout the whole world, the same message that we have trusted in here today is the same message that they need. I like to think of it as the tree that works everywhere. The tree that works everywhere. I remember... uh, Many years ago, I was uh, stumbling around Kmart, um, just taking inventory, killing time. And I went in the garden section. And I I grew up in Santa Barbara. In fact, um, my parents, when I was very young, they bought a small orchard, avocado and lemon trees. uh, And they still live there today. And so I grew up around that. And so I was in the the garden section and I I saw some trees for sale. There was a, a lemon tree for sale in Kmart in Tehachapi. <laughs> and, and I thought to myself, well, that's great. If you like lemons, you could take this home and you could plant it in your backyard and you could kill it right here in Tehachapi <laughs> because it's never going to work. It's never going to work. And yet how different it is, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the tree that produces lasting fruit everywhere, everywhere. It doesn't matter what climate zone you're in. It doesn't matter how liberal or conservative. It doesn't matter. It is the tree that works everywhere. As you look at this passage, as you look at this passage, we're reminded of somewhat I talked about a few weeks ago in the verses 7 and 8. He says, Just as you learned... It from Epaphras, our fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Do you remember who Epaphras was? He was a man who was mighty and he labored in prayer for them. And he was, by all accounts, what we understand is the way that the gospel got to this church, got to this city. Is Epaphras most likely spent some time with Paul 
in Ephesus. He spent a lot of time there in Ephesus, about three years. And then somehow Epaphras was that faithful one that brought this life-saving message, this changing message to them. Kids, as we kind of come to a close here, I want to tell you a few things about Colossians. And you're going to have to ask your parents a little bit about this in the weeks to come. So, you know, hey, what'd you learn today? That's a good question, kids. Kids, on your way home from church, always ask your parents what they learned today, okay? And if they can't remember, if they can't remember what I talked about, come talk to me, okay? Come talk to me. I want to... I want to bust them is what I want to do, okay? I want to tell you, kids, why, why I chose Colossians as the book that we're going to study here at Bear Valley Church in the months to come. It's because Colossians really focuses on Jesus, really focuses on Jesus. And sometimes kids, uh, for adults, they, they kind of get off in other things. They just kind of get, they're worried about so many different things and they're worried about what this person said or that person said. They're worried about politics. They're worried about the weather. They're worried about money. They're worried about all these th- different things and they forget about Jesus. And so kids, that's why we're going to talk about Colossians because it really focuses on who Jesus is. I want to tell you one other thing that you'll notice in this passage, that it's just a love fest. It's just a love fest. As you think about what Paul was praying about, he was praying uh, for a couple of things. He, he 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 saw their love, right? He saw their love. And in the last couple of verses, he knew that Epaphras had loved them. And Paul loved the fact that he saw fruit in their life. And, and what was that fruit? It was love. And there's all this love going around. There's all this love going around. I think about what a church should look like. And wherever they are in life, where, wherever they are in their history, the, the mark of the gospel is that we would love one another, that we would care for one another, and that would be flowing back and forth. It's interesting to me that Paul uh, loved them because he saw their love and Epaphras loved them by sharing the gospel with them and it produced love and it was just, this is what the gospel does. It causes us to love people, people. I, I marked that people thing right there, okay? That's what a church is. It's people. It's a dangerous thing when you have a beautiful building. I love this building. I walk around here. I love the smell of it. I, I, I love the memories that I have here. I, I love, I spent some time in the fellowship hall and just the flood of everything, the meals I've eaten there, the games I've played there, the people I've talked to there. I love everything about it. I love hanging out in the parking lot here. I think about uh, before we had those lights out in the parking lot and how many times I couldn't remember where, I, where my car was because it's so dark out there. But the church is not the facility. It's the people. It's the people. And sometimes we get caught up in the church of loving an idea. We think that we love being at church. But the church is people, and it's meant for us to love one another. Lastly, kids, kids, 
I want you to think about this right now. If you could follow me very carefully. Kids, can you say this word with me? Theocentric. Theocentric. You know what that word means? It means God-centered. God-centered, okay? In this passage that we look at right here, I want to tell you that God is the one we're thankful for. God is the one we're thankful for. Theocentric, kids. Theocentric. It's interesting to me, that, and you've got to follow the food chain here, right? Who is Paul praying about? Who is Paul praying about? You know it's a trick question already, huh? Because I tried to trick you before. The church at Colossae, right? He's praying for the church. He's praying about them. But who is he thankful for? He, who, who is he thankful to? God. God. It's super important. I think sometimes, kids, uh, if you do well at, at school, say you get 100% on your spelling test. I wasn't a very good speller, but, uh, you know, it would be a big deal. That would have went up on the refrigerator had I got 100. But, but as you think about, sometimes your, your parents say, oh, you did such a good job. But who gave you the brains? God did. Yeah. Who, who gave you the, the, the ability to perform that test? God did. And in the same way, in the same way, Paul's praying about the change in goodness in them. He's praying about that, but he thanks God. How come? Because God did it. Because God did it. Let us never get impressed with one another so much that we forget that any good thing in us comes from God. Comes from God. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the opportunity of sharing in this time as a family, uh, your family here in this place. God, help us to remember that you are the one that is most important as we see the change of the goodness of the gospel in others' lives. God, glorify yourself at Bear Valley Church, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.